Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, the darkest timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... His show brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. So how are you doing today, Ulrich? Uh, not bad. Uh, I saw some good trailers this weekend. Hype for Aven- Avengers. Well, I mean, we're all hyped for Avengers. <laughs> it's kind of normal. I don't know. I think DC fanboys aren't, but... They still exist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those sad, sad souls. I have heard that Black Lightning is actually pretty good. So, you know, that gives, like, hope, I suppose. The costume just looks too goofy for me. Eh, more power to it. I've actually realized uh, that... I don't mind bad costume. I actually prefer, like, if I have the option between shoddy CG or costumes that very obviously look crappy, I'd rather go with the crappy costumes. <laughs> so Sometimes you get both, like the Inhumans. Yeah, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I actually skipped the Inhumans on purpose. So, <laughs> But uh, we're not here today to talk about Marvel. We're actually here today to talk about anime, which is not at all a contentious topic or one that's already oversaturated with people talking about it. Some Japanese so, cartoons, right? Uh, anime is not just Japanese. There's, for for the record, there's a great Mother's Basement video on what anime is, definition-wise. But to save time, anime is best described as an artistic movement, which is why there's things like Chinese anime, Korean anime, American anime. So, and that's I've never that's bought a, the whole American anime thing. That, that always rubbed me the wrong way for some reason. Uh, maybe it did. I mean, the the base example was um the Last Airbender, but even if you don't think that's anime, something like the Netflix Voltron is definitely anime, and it's American. I need to watch that still. Yeah, so that's one of those conversations that causes tons of arguments. I had like a three-hour argument with a friend of mine about uh, what anime is, because I say it's an artistic movement, and he says it's only animation from Japan, and I think that that's useless as a definition, and communication is meant to facilitate ideas. Besides the point, for sake of argument, we're just going to move on. But um. So what Ulrich here had me do, and yes, I'm going to throw you under the bus for this because you deserve it, was he had me watch the uh, the Full Metal Alchemist live-action Netflix movie. I had to watch it too. Uh... I would argue it hurt me more because I am not a big anime fan. I never really have been. But I think there's only like three or four animes I really like. And uh, Fullmetal Alchemist was one of those ones that I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. I hope they make a movie out of this someday. And then I saw that, and I'm like, oh, God, I hope they never do this again. Well, okay, and on the other side, I am a big anime fan. Okay, not anymore. I used to be a much bigger anime fan. I mean, I've gone to anime conventions almost every year uh, for the last 11 years, something like that. But generally, my taste... Uh, especially since in the last four or five years has gotten a lot more um, strict. Like there's only maybe one or two anime that come out a year that I find worthwhile. It's just a lot of crap. So, Yeah, uh, for the record, when I first met Axel, he was obsessed with Naruto. I don't know about obsessed, but it was the you first one. You had the headband, and you cosplayed, and you may have roleplayed a bit. I don't know. Uh, no, I never roleplayed. As for the headband and cosplay, so did basically everyone in my friends group in high school. <laughs> like that's a yeah. common thing. I also, also funny... remember, wasn't there some story about you, One Piece, and some eyeliner? Oh, uh, so. During my senior year of high school, every day I would 
take uh, some black eyeliner and I would draw a um, a scar under my left eye like Luffy from One Piece has. Uh, yeah, super edgy. Uh, it's funny because you know One Piece is very non-edge of a show, but I thought it was hilarious because I got so many people who thought it was real or thought I was a tattoo, and I I thought it was I, I thought that was funny. So you went um, to school with some real special people, but we both went to school in the same state. Uh, I also is not set real high. I also convinced several of my peers in high school that I was an exchange student from Ireland putting on an extremely dopey Irish accent. So I've done that one as well. That one worked. I use that later (laughs) in life as well to dupe other people, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah. The point is, so, so to, with anime, right? Like I, my, my taste has gone up. I have more strict guidelines. Like my lady, she's much more of an anime fan than me. Uh, and she watches tons of stuff and I don't begrudge her when she watches stuff that I, I don't like. Like right now she's really into something called, um, the ancient magus bride and i find it um creepy and not in like a tokyo ghoul way just just creepy and but hey if she likes it more power to her so that's kind of how i feel about the topic like if you're into a show that i say is garbage or something like whatever man I, i'm glad you enjoy it i i wish i could enjoy it like you with, with one yeah. exception i will not hear anyone defending sword art online i don't want to hear it just, just <laughs> uh, you like sword i know online? that one yeah, I, I'm I completely anime illiterate, and I know that one. I also know why it's bad. Go me. It's bad for a lot of reasons, and if you like it, I, I don't care. Just leave me alone about it. <laughs> <laughs> but for Full Metal Alchemist, corner with so, Sonic fans. Now, Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, when I, if I put together my favorite anime, like my top ten, Full Metal Alchemist probably would sit at a, like a solid seven or eight, maybe. That being said, I think that it is objectively one of the best. The way I've always said it is, if you have, a, and I mean the original Full Metal Alchemist, I'll talk about Brotherhood in a moment, but <laughs> if you have, if you have a, a person who's not into anime at all, doesn't even know what it is, I feel like there are very few, if any, better first tries than the original Full Metal Alchemist, largely because it's a story that I feel like transcends its medium, and it can work in any medium. So like when you say that you saw the Full Metal Alchemist movie, live action movie, which is god-awful. I'll talk about why oh, in a second. Oh, god, yes. And you say you hope they don't ever do it again. I don't agree. I think the story could very well succeed as a movie. It's just that this movie failed for a lot of really basic reasons. Like, sure, we could talk all and on about how it's a bad adaptation, but I think that's besides the point. It's just a bad movie. Like, regardless of what its source material is, the blocking... Yeah. Yeah, the blocking is terrible. Like characters are standing in like really weird places all the time. That's very distracting. The acting on the whole is not great. And I watched plenty of movies in other languages. So like, don't tell me I I can't like like Moonchild is one of my favorite Japanese movies. Um, the fact that they can't decide whether they're going to be serious acting or over the top goofy acting, scene to scene. Yeah, the music. Oh, oh God, man. I, I never realized that music can pull me so much out of a movie scene, except the opening scene of Full Metal Alchemist has uh, Ed doing the chase the preacher guy down down the, the city, and they have this music playing that I swear they just lifted out of Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was like, wait a second. This feels like Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, and it just was – it just did not feel right at oh, all. Oh, I knew we were off to a bad start the minute I heard that music, and I'm like – Oh, and can we talk about the bad hair job that they gave him? 
<laughs> you like, know, it's funny because like uh, I, I was talking, so I was watching it with my with Wretched. Actually, he was he was over this weekend. We were watching it, and when Hawkeye showed up, right, um, he was like. Well, she's wearing a wig. How come hers looks better than his? Yeah. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, if it came out that this actor playing Ed isn't actually wearing a wig, I wouldn't be surprised, but I would still be like, how did they fuck it up so bad? It just looks so Whoa. bad. Uh, it's like a Thor, like I've my seen, because apparently I'm married to She pointed out this. It said, his hair is dyed, but the ponytail is a clip-on. Wow, I see. I, I knew it looked bad, but I couldn't pin down why. That's what she pointed out, and she's like, "Look at the back of his head. It doesn't look. It doesn't match the rest of it." And I mean, okay, the best criticism of the movie that I've heard <laughs> was just the one sentence from uh from from Bob Chipman, where it's like, "Wow, why do they keep interrupting this really good cosplay photo shoot with a really bad movie?" <laughs> see, that's always been my problem with anime adaptations, and this is. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, discourage the burgeoning market of, uh, you know, locally sourced Chinese, Asian films. But right now, most of those studios don't have the budget to make this not look like a high-end fan film. Yeah, that's true. And you can tell that in this movie, all the budget, and I mean all the budget, went into Al. And Al looks great. Like Yeah, but there are certain shots that it feels... You can tell he's not there. Like there's well, a couple of shots. Like that's what I'm saying. Like 95 percent of the time he looks great, but there's definitely one scene near the beginning where he's explaining the law of equivalent exchange to a group of people, and the way he's moving, it just looks very obviously fake. So. Yeah, and there's one little. There's a couple of things, but it's funny you brought that up. First, they make one short. They make a couple of short jokes. Uh, yeah, they keep calling him puny. But he's the same height as everyone else. That's what Wretched said. He kept breaking that up, yeah. (laughs) And secondly, the... Okay, so, you know, Al is supposed to be a suit of armor that, you know, people can wear in this world. It works in the anime because they drew people to scale. There is no one in this movie that could fit in that armor. And for the record... The one person who theoretically should be able to fit in that armor and should appear in a Full Monoclus movie, Armstrong, is not in the goddamn movie. Oh, (laughs) I was so pissed about that because I like, okay, I want to see them find a giant muscle-bound blonde Asian with a walrus walrus mustache. I want to see that. Also, um, and this is at the risk of sounding political, so I apologize for this. Um, If you have any thoughts about, like, you know, Asian characters or Asian actors playing Asian characters and all that stuff. You know what? I, I actually think there's justifiable arguments for like why say things like Ghost in the Shell were a problem. Uh, because, you know, you've got a character who is literally part of the story that they were an Asian child now in a white body played by a white actress. Like, okay, I, I can understand the frustrations there. Something like Full Metal Alchemist, though, is in the story, right? Supposed to be essentially alternate world Germany. Uh huh. So, I, okay, that's all I'm saying, right? It's like if oh, I was wondering if I was gonna have to bring it up, or you were gonna take the bullet on that. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the bullet on that because I understand that that's that's the kind of argument that can be used for a lot of bad shit. I totally understand that, but at the same time, it's like okay, maybe maybe if you're gonna have at least one actually German actor for Armstrong to get the big fucking giant German guy, right? So well, we were talking about it's like okay, let's say this gets picked up and done by Hollywood. Yeah. And in order to not, you know, piss people off, how do you do it? You sprinkle it in. You get some mixed actors in there. Because I think the actor that played uh, Hogan 
in Thor the Dark World would make a great Mustang. See, I don't even remember Hogan. So He was the silent, broody Asian guy that just kind of sat there looking like a badass. Didn't well, say know, so that was the thing. If we're going to talk about, really quickly, talk about the casting choices, right? Like, so whatever voice they got for Al worked really well. The actor they got to play Hughes, I thought, actually did a pretty good job. Yeah, um, he wasn't bad. He felt kind of out of place, but I think it was because he was a direct adaptation right down to the way he walked. Yeah, which is actually which no why even I think, walks that way. Yeah, but I thought it was I like I had respect for that actor. Like he was pulling it off pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the actress playing Winry actually did a good job. I was pissed that her hair isn't nearly blonde enough, but that's just a nitpick. Uh we saw what they did. We have we it's funny, we have the range of good blonde to bad blonde in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, that being said, like Mustang, and I can't really put my finger on it, but that actor is just not right. He doesn't yeah. convey at all what Mustang is supposed to convey. And I don't really have the great words for it. He doesn't he feel looked like he was holding in a fart. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, it's more like to me. So Mustang's character, right. In the original full Alchemist is very much, he's this badass who kind of got forced into bureaucracy and he wants to get to the top so that he can like make changes. Right. It's not just an ambition thing. Like he's, He's a decent person who's also a fucked up person, so he's got a lot of internal conflict, and the lieutenant's kind of like his conscience, but also his protector. So there's a lot of shit going on with Mustang. The guy in this movie just feels like a bureaucrat to me, just like a stone-faced, oh, this, this is how we do it, and just going through the motions constantly. Yeah, like he's holding in a party. All his concentration is, and that's just the look on his face. He's uncomfortable. He's boring. And I think that's how I would describe this movie. Boring. Yeah, it's very boring. It's it feels like it's eight goddamn hours long. It's like yeah. two and a half hours long, I think. It's way too long. And here's the thing. So again, like there's a lot of things I could talk about why it's a bad adaptation, but I think that's less important than it being a bad movie. One of the things that pissed me off immediately was um we realized, me and Richard realized at a certain point that if we didn't know or had you know, experience from Alchemist and other forms, we have no idea what the fuck was happening. Okay, Particularly, I'm there's something that the movie does where, by the way, because it's a terrible movie, I'm going to spoil the fuck out of it, but you don't see it. So, anyway, no, um, Tucker, piece of human garbage, who does um, horrible things to his daughter. Right, in the, uh, in the original story, yeah, so in the original story, he's, he's supposed to be like a complete kind of broken sociopath, right, who, who does what he does because he doesn't really feel anything and then he's just and then he's supposed to be like this start of the philo- uh, philosophical discussions about like what constitutes life and how life's important and all that shit so this movie right tries to do that but the actor doesn't pull it off at all first of all the yeah. actor looks like he's stoned constantly yeah. secondly they bring him back after his story should be done to do the villain monologue at the end just to get killed as soon as he finishes monologuing so that's yeah, they made him a mad scientist, which wasn't his character. Yeah, but it's, it makes no sense in context of just the movie, like outside of the adaptation. And the worst part of it for me is, so in the original story, one of the things I loved is when they do the Laboratory 5 crazy shit and Barry the Butcher shows up and has his fight with Ed. Which because, awesome. Or sorry, with Al. Uh, yeah, which is awesome. The reason why that scene works so well with him essentially planting the seeds of doubt into Al's brain is because he is also a construct like like Al is or not a construct but you know a soul fused to an inanimate object so 
that's how he keeps getting in Al's head. In this movie, right, Ed takes Al to see Tucker before Tucker does his crazy shit. And he's like, hey, um, I even though the movie has told me that I'm a better alchemist than you, I still want your help looking into fixing Al. And Tucker's like, all right. And then he's got Al on the table. And I was like, I feel hot. And he goes, well, that's probably because you have repressed or false memories. Fucking yeah, out of nowhere. Dumb. It makes no sense. Logically. How do you get from I feel hot to, oh, that must be repressed memories. And then, then he does the crazy dog shit, gets arrested, and Al still believes fucking everything Tucker told him, even though the movie just given us every reason to not believe this guy, and then just starts a fight with Ed in the middle of, like, of nothing. And not only is the fight make absolutely no goddamn sense because essentially it's painting Al to be an absolute moron at this point, but it's so bad choreographed. It looks terrible. Just keep making the same swinging motion over and over again. No variation. Just, yeah, do that. Okay, I'll do that again. And it's funny because right there at that moment, I realized, and yes, generally it's not my job to review the movie I want, but to review the movie I have. But that being said, at that moment, I literally was watching it, and I was like, I could have written a better movie at this point by simply – and here's, here's what to do because all this happens before Laboratory 5. Like they end the movie Laboratory 5, but they could have easily shortened up the movie right, by having the confrontation between Ed and Al take place after – Laboratory 5, keep the Barry the Butcher shit, get rid of much much of the Tucker stuff, except the Tucker stuff that matters, and then you end the movie on the big fight scene between Ed and Al, pump the budget in for the choreographed, and like you do like a Civil War thing where the final action scene is between our two heroes, and then the super emotional, like, oh, we just beat the shit out of each other, but we're still brothers, we love each other, is now your fucking end of the movie. So, like, it saves you time, it fits into the narrative of the original story, and it can build up to what's happening in the next movie. It's like... Yeah, because they're they sequel baited. They want a sequel. So why did they cut it up like this? Yeah, and then, oh man, it's just it's so bad. I was like, so mad. The best mad. way I can describe it, if you haven't seen the anime, it's like they took a book, one of your favorite books, and then they grabbed random chapters from the book and sewed them together and made one movie, and they're going to do the same thing two more times. It doesn't make sense. They're telling it out of con- it's out of continuity. Things don't line up. And if you're going to do that, start with chapter one, then chapter two, now chapter one, chapter eight, chapter 12, chapter four, chapter three. And they do this thing where they take scenes that were super important or, or like very cool, and they put them in the movie, but don't realize like why those scenes are awesome or they just do it wrong my, my the best example of this is at the end of the movie we get the roy mustang burning envy and lust to death right now in in uh, the original stories uh when that happened it was first of all especially in the brotherhood version with envy it was amazing to watch because the animation was such that it conveyed what Roy was going through, like the anger he felt. But the live action doesn't fucking do anything with that. So there's no, like, camera. It's just a very... It looks like cosplayers just acting out the scene, right? Yeah. Sec- secondly, we don't get the any of the scenes in the like the original of Roy actually being fucking depressed over Hughes' death, so it just feels like like there's no connection to what he's doing now, unlike in the original, where it's like you feel him reliving all of his fucking depression about it. And yeah, and can we talk about Hughes's death for a second? 
one one sec, one more thing about this. In the original two, when he does the um I mean Brotherhood anyway, when he does the oh, I use my powers to fucking solder the the wound on my side, the animation conveys how badass that is because you see all this like flesh all burned and shit. In the movie, he, he he's been stabbed. Off. He walks out and he's still wearing all his clothes and he's got his hand over his blood soaked shirt and Lust is like, Oh, so you soldered your wound? And that's it. So we don't see it. We don't know how she knows it, and it doesn't convey anything other than ah, I guess I'll just take your word for it. But no, the thing about Hughes' death, which he in the anime, he is built up as this character from the beginning, you grow attached to him, you know him, so when he dies it means something. In this one, he has maybe three or four scenes, which they flash back to to remind you who this person is and why it matters they died. Yeah, they they tried, like, and you can see it there. Like, again, sort of thing, like, the, the, the seeds are there. Adaptation aside, you can tell that they could have made this meaningful, but there just wasn't enough. And then it just happens. <laughs> so. Yeah. Ugh. No, this was a god-awful oh, film. One more, just just on looks, and keep in mind, I'm an old-school Star Trek and Doctor Who fan, so bad effects don't actually bother me if your story is good. That being said, when Gluttony activates his power, uh, and so his like chest turns into a mouth of like bone teeth, at one point, he does that, and then he starts walk, waddling towards like some soldiers, and I was like, this is a fucking Power Rangers episode. I, I'm glad these, I did the exact same thing. I was like, and it turned into a Power Rangers episode. Okay. All right. But yeah, so we can all agree that it's it – was... now, here's the question, right? We've had anime adaptations uh, for a while now. I mean the, the most egregious example, right, was like Dragon Ball Evolution, which uh, – other... I'm going to say Death Note. Uh, then have you seen Dragon Ball Evolution? I have seen Dragon Ball Evolution. It's a fucking travesty. But okay, so is Death Note. But uh, I guess it's a matter of taste because Death Note was my first anime that I legitimately got into. And I I'm, I was never a Dragon Ball Z fan, I'll admit it. I prefer uh, DBZ Abridged. <laughs> okay, well, let's take it from someone who's a fan of both Dragon Ball and Death Note, that evolution is much more a travesty than the Death Note movie. Um, but besides the – so – the question is: So we got the Death Note movie, got Ghost in the Shell, which I mentioned earlier. Japan has had, um, like, Japan made adaptation movies for a long time. They had like a multiple Death Note movies and Roni Kenshin movies and shit like that. Which I admit, most of which I, you know, chose not to see because I wasn't interested. Look- but yeah, yeah. So the the question becomes: Right, like, can it work? Does I mean, for me, the que- the answer is obviously yeah, because I am a proponent of the idea that any story can be a good movie. You can make a good movie out of anything. Sometimes in order to do so, you have to chop it up to where it's almost in unrecognizable, but you can fucking do it, which is why I say that I, I can see in this Full Metal Alchemist movie how it could have been a good movie, separate from being a good adaptation. So I think that it's too dense. I think most animes are too dense to be adapted. I don't think so at all. I think if Lord of the Rings can be adapted, then anything can be adapted. I... Yes, but I think the other problem is, and this is something that I'm not sure how Hollywood's going to be able to do, is there's a lot of cultural stuff ingrained in the anime that doesn't necessarily translate well to an uninitiated audience. Well, that's actually why with the Death Note movie, for instance, uh, a lot of, you know, 
old school Death Note fans. And keep in mind, I own like the entire manga cosplay delight. I'm I'm an old school Death Note fan. Uh, but a lot of fans were super pissed about the idea that the Netflix Death Note movie, before it ever came out, was going to be like an American version. I actually had no problem with that. Because yeah, it's go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say like so nothing about Death Note story to me anyway ties it intrinsically to Japanese culture other than Light's personality being kind of the um stereotypical like you know succeed everything kind of thing but you could easily do that in any culture. So the only the only kind of story the only kind of anime that I feel like you know require that you couldn't do that with are ones that are intrinsically tied to Japan's culture in some meaningful way. Like Roni Kenshin, which is a story literally about wandering samurai in the Meiji era. You couldn't fucking do that in, in a, another culture, unless you completely changed everything. A la taking, you know, the seven samurai and turning it into the magnificent seven, for instance. Yeah. So. But no, I mean, the reason Death Note, the reason I wasn't mad about Death Note, and I bring this up anytime someone says, oh, they never should have brought it to America. It doesn't work. I said, do you know what Death Note essentially is? That's Sherlock Holmes versus Moriarty. Uh, mm, sure. That I mean, is the basis of it, is this cat and mouse game between two super geniuses trying to out with each other. Yeah. And that is why the anime ends when Light when uh, L dies. It does not exist <laughs> past that point. That was the end. We I will fight in, you. <laughs> we are in agreement there. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's... So the whole, like, dense thing, I don't think is... I don't think that actually matters. Like, oh, as one more side note about FMA, I just remembered. Uh, I don't have a solution for this, but every time Ed did the clap his hand thing, it looked dumb. Like, I don't know how yeah. to make that work. Like, it looks good in anime, it looks good in manga, it, it looked dumb, live action. But anyway. Um, you should add some choreography. Make it more than just him slapping his hands together. I guess. I don't know. But, so when it comes to an anime adaptation, I think, so whether you liked or even hated uh, Ghost in the Shell. Like I know several people who absolutely hated it, and for I thought it was okay, but I think it's a defense, good... I haven't seen the anime. I have no point of reference outside that movie. Well, here, here's my point. I'm getting to with Ghost in the Shell. I think that was a good example of like maybe not a successful adaptation, but I thought Ghost in the Shell was a was a fine movie. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not nearly as good as the original animated movie, obviously, but like I think that was the right direction. Now, I really think they should have casted, uh, you know, an, an Asian actress to play uh, the major, but that's a whole other conversation entirely. Um, it, the problem with adapting anime, though, I think, and I realized this too, well, in the beginning of Film Alchemist, there's a scene where uh, where Ed is like running, and then like a fucking pillar thing pops out and hits him in the face, and the camera like, you know, gets up close, and you see him kind of like squish into it and fall back. It's a very Goofy. anime thing, yeah, it, and it doesn't look right. Uh, mm-hmm. But it made me realize that I've seen that work before in uh, foreign films that embrace the ridiculousness. Things like Shaolin Soccer, right? Ugh. But that's a. I would say uh, Kung Fury. Sure, sure. Uh, I actually really like Shaolin Soccer. I get. I did. I get where you're going. Yeah, but my point is, in those cases, it really works because it is leaning into the ridiculousness of it. And I don't know. It's like I'm not a filmmaker. So I think it's possible to to do that kind of aesthetic without having to do that, but I don't know how. I just I guess no one. You gotta would... commit to one or the other. Yeah. Which I think goes back to my problem with this movie is it couldn't commit. Are we going to be serious and realistic, or are we going to be over the top and like live translation of the anime? So so when we say 
or when I say like why anime adaptations have not worked, I'm not going to say don't work because, like I said, I think it could work, and I think we've come very close. But why they haven't worked is largely, I think, for the same reason that say video game adaptations don't work. That you've got either people behind it who don't understand like what it is that made the thing important and, and and they're trying to like slap other things onto it. So, or you've got a case where they're so blinded by the thing that they like that they don't see the like basic movie problems with it. Like, I think that's probably more what happened to full Alchemist because I feel like the people doing that movie, like, knew the material and were trying to do it justice, but they just were not skilled at doing what they were doing. See, Fullmetal Alchemist 1's a tricky one, but I guess maybe it could work. You do some trimming of the fat. I think Death Note, there's no reason Death Note shouldn't have worked. Yeah. Well, the reason why Death Note didn't work for the Netflix movie is uh, like that first thing where like they completely misunderstood the uh the point of the dynamics between you know a lot of these characters like don't get me wrong i actually like a ryuk that is more active in the role but when that when his activeness takes away from lights proactiveness you have yeah when light's supposed to be a super genius but you feel that you're smarter than this kid (laughs) exactly so that's that's a so much wrong with that movie yes yes so it, it definitely it definitely could work, but you need to have the the right kind of you know talent behind it. Like, so if we, if I talk about tangential over to video games for a second here, um, the Warcraft movie was oh, for a lot of, yeah, it was for a lot of people like the the final hope. Like, if it worked, then video game movies have hope, and for a lot of people, if it didn't work, then there was no hope. And anyone who doesn't like the Warcraft movie, I understand totally. I actually liked it. But I think it's interesting that I can tell, or I'm pretty sure the people who made it had reference for the material. But the first movie is so much table setting and so much exposition to explain this world that now that it's done, I think a second movie could be legitimately great. Now they don't have to do that, right? Yeah, it was too front heavy. Yeah, exactly. Here's everything you need to know, and this is this person. He's related to this person. It came from this place, and this is the magical. It's like, no, you don't need that. Which, again, I think that's where anime films kind of fail. It's either A, they get way too exposition-y because they're trying to condense stuff down, Mm -hmm. or in this case, they cut too much so you can't follow the story. Well, the problem, too, and I've realized this watching my lady watch all bunch of anime, is that a lot of anime is also really exhibition heavy, and I'm not into that. Like, that's why I have a stricter taste. Like, okay, let me put it this way. One of my shows, one of my favorite shows uh, in anime is Mob Psycho 100, which certainly has a lot of uh, uh, exposition. I'll tell you more about it later. But one thing I, I realized that I love Mob Psycho 100 is it's super fluid. People and things are constantly moving and doing things that the show is expressive with its animation, right? And once I realized that Mob Psycho 100 was doing that, any other anime show is just people standing there and their lips flapping <laughs> became frustrating for me. And so then when you try to adapt something like that, you end up with the same kind of problem, right? So Fullmetal Alchemist, which has a lot of great action scenes, also has a shitload of 
hey, let's explain the, the fucking details of how alchemy works or how this particular bit of alchemy works, or let's talk our philosophy directly at you. So, and I don't know about you, my eyes kind of glazed over during those parts. It's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Just, I, I, I don't care. Give me more Sergeant Armstrong in a dress. <laughs> Which, if you and got see, that reference, we can be friends. <laughs> and see, the thing about uh, heavy exposition is it doesn't, it doesn't inherently make a bad show, right? There are plenty of shows I love that are basically nothing but exposition. Hell, Game almost any. Okay, sure. I was gonna say almost any adaptation of Sherlock Holmes is crazy. Oh yeah, exposition. there's a lot of that too. Any Tarantino film. Yeah, but you have to make it work, right? Mm -hmm. So. So, like an example, for instance, of an anime that is um, pretty exposition heavy, but you could adapt it, keep the dialogue basically the same, and it would still be, I think, just as good, is Cowboy Bebop, which basically already has a ton of off uh, adaptations and you know various sci-fi stuff. But since Cowboy Bebop is a show largely about like you know middle-aged depression, <laughs> when you get right down to it, like those kind of conversations that the show is littered with, like that could be super interesting just almost purely adapted but for something like full Metal alchemist you gotta you're you're talking about very unrelatable concepts like it's very deep stuff you gotta flavor that differently to make it work i think <laughs> yeah. it can work as a series like if you do a live action series well generally speaking have al be a suit of armor just get someone in a suit of armor well generally thinking i generally speaking i think most stories are better if given you know, some room to breathe. Like, I was thinking about uh, The End of the Fucking World, which is only about two and a half hours, but is done in a um, a television series of like eight episodes or something like that, as opposed to a movie. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, while I do think this is better, would be better as a movie, they probably would have had to cut out a bunch. And it maybe in the in the form of the movie, if it was just the one two and a half hour thing, it would feel bloated because of how big it is, and you would want to cut it out. But making it into a show with individual episodes means that you look at them on an individual episode basis. And so then it doesn't feel bloated because you've spread out when you're doing your like, you know, slow moments essentially. So yeah, I understand that. So here's my question for you. Okay. Do you have like a handful of anime in mind? Like these animes, you could easily make a movie. They just easily transfer to movies. These animes would make a great TV show. Uh, well, like I said, you've seen a whole lot more animes than I have. And I kind of asked this because there's been a lot of pressure to do another Dragon Ball Z movie. And do you think that should be a TV show or a movie? And do you have like you know separate lists? Okay. Um, so first of all, we talked about this before with books. Like we have some books like these could be great movies. We have other books like this needs to be a series. All right. So first of all, uh, Cowboy Bob is a great example because it's considered by many to be one of the greatest anime of all time. It's just a great story, and it can be I think a movie or a series. You can make it work. I think. Dragon Ball Z is a lot more complicated and actually delves into what I think is one of the most difficult things when adapting something like this. So when you uh, take any story and change it to a medium of any kind, then what, you're, what you are doing is you have to trade away the strengths of that medium and embrace the strengths of the new medium, right? So this is why I think video game adaptations have the hardest job because you are getting rid of the interactivity of the video game and yeah. replacing it with the, uh, a passive experience of, of a movie. Not that you can't do it, but taking away interactivity, I think, is a very difficult thing to handle. So It's a big change up from one to the other. Yeah. So what does animation in general have as its strengths? 
Well, I would say, I mean, the first and most obvious one is it's not limited. So animation, there are so many techniques in animation to convey ideas that you just can't convey the same way in live action. I mean, one of the most basic examples are uh, action lines, which are, you see it in uh, cartoons as well as anime, but like where there's just straight lines coming out of a uh, a part of the screen to illustrate that that part of the screen is either moving fast or is important or, or something like that. You do that in a live action movie and it's generally just funny. Like it was funny in Scott Pilgrim, but it doesn't accomplish the same thing that it's doing in the animation. So yeah, I was going to say animation, it's got a fluidity to it. It flows easier scene to scene. Yeah. Now I think that the Marvel cinematic universe has proven that you can take things in an animated or drawn medium that seem kind of ridiculous and and make them work. I mean, a great example is just look at Captain America's outfit, right? His uniform from that the... That should not work. Yeah, but they found a way uh, to make multiple versions of it work uh, while still being true to its source material. Or Iron Man or Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. any of them. Yeah. Luke now, Cage. Now, now, I'm not saying it's impossible to make Dragon Ball Z work in live action but uh toriyama's style and uh don't get me wrong i'm not actually a huge fan of dragon ball z but akira toriyama is one of the best mangekas in the business period and that really isn't arguable and his style he takes advantage of um the manga medium so thoroughly that even a lot of people uh, have watched the show, never read the manga, really should read the manga because there's something lost just in that translation. So then trying to translate it from animation to live action, then it's a whole nother ballpark, right? So other than all the story problems in evolution, just just take something simple like key, the concept of key. And I have you ever seen that worked that looked like that at all? Not really, which could honestly be what's kind of holding up uh, one of the faults of Iron Fist was it just... Yeah, but Iron Fist at least only had to focus on essentially one arm glowing, which I will say, now that I think about it, that might be a good... Okay, Iron Fist is bad, but the idea of instead of having an energy field around them, having like them glow, it could be an interesting avenue to explore. Uh, But... I get your point though. The more I think about it, yeah... Now, here's the thing. Here's what live action accomplishes. The thing that it has that no other medium has, tangibility. The feeling that when you're watching it, this is something real. Like, I heard someone make an argument about why they should try to make another live action Mario, even though the last one was, um, you know, terrible, legendarily bad. That Yeah, scared Nintendo away from doing movies forever. Yeah, and, they're, and apparently uh, Nintendo's planning to do a, like a animated Mario movie. And you know what? That's fine. It'll probably be fun, but doing a live action movie gives you tangibility that you can't get in anime. Yeah, because I was about to ask, why do you think we want these things translated to live action? Because one of my best memories is, you know, when the Shyamalan Avatar movie first came out, the first thing my mom said, who had actually watched this with my brother, and I'm going, why are they doing that? You already have the perfect version animated. And we both kind of said, uh, yeah, good point. I'm not sure why they're doing that. It doesn't really add anything. Yeah. But we're still excited for it. Yeah, that's the thing that subconsciously or not that you're desiring from a live action adaptation is tangibility. So 
to you want get them. to be able to theoretically buy the props. <laughs> sure. You want but, to see uh, the world realized, I think. Yeah, sure. But uh, but animation in general, um, its strength is in non-tangibility in general. Now there are some animations that are a lot more grounded. Um, that's a whole other story in ge- in general. But uh, things like Dragon Ball Z are my favorite anime. Uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, you know, are are they utilize their animation to a point where it's like the thing it it can only be an animation. I'm not saying you can't make live action out of it. I'm just saying that I don't know. I haven't seen any director with the skill to make me believe that like key is a, a thing, you know? My only director, it's kind of my go-to director for any high concept fantasy stuff is uh, Del Toro. I mean, I would certainly give Del Toro the chance to try. But even then, I'm not sure he can pull it off because again, to me, Anime feels so, no pun intended, alien <laughs> that adapting it, like there are some, like I said, I would think, uh, to me, Death Note is the easiest one to make a movie, and Full Metal Alchemist would probably be the easiest to make a TV show. And I say both those ones because I know you have rules. My three rules for anime one are uh, one, no characters with ridiculously over the top hairdos. See, um, I actually, I really dig that, but that to me is, it's good in animation. I don't need to see it in live action. So. These are just my rules. Uh, number two, no giant epic hero speeches that go on for five minutes. Okay. And uh, I just, these are things I'm not looking for. I don't want a five minute exposition before every fight because it drags it down. And number three is I don't want it to have a bunch of dumb anime tropes. The big head the teardrop, the melty, the just weird surreal stuff, which is why I immediately stopped watching Brotherhood. It's like, oh, you took something I loved and just crammed in a bunch of anime tropes. Okay, we're done here. Well, it's funny is that the thing you're talking about, and I don't, necess- I don't necessarily disagree with you. For the record, I'm not a huge fan of Brotherhood, but it's not really for – it's partially for that. I'm not a fan of Brotherhood because I feel like Brotherhood is definitely an anime, while the original series is a story that – it transcends its medium. I also found Brotherhood largely kind of boring with a few exceptions. Um, yeah, yeah, careful now, because I don't know, Movie Bob got in a huge tweet storm for saying he didn't like Brotherhood. I know, and people love Brotherhood. More power to you. I watched Brotherhood with the anime club at my college, the entire fucking thing, with a group of people who were all laughing and having a good time, and I have a good experience with it, but as a story, I found it wasn't structured uh, as well as the original series, and I found it kind of dull in a lot of parts. It was just kind of bloated. If you I like it, you power make to it. Through it. So, so I'll, I'll add people like that to my list of you know, enemies. I thought it was garbage. It's not my not my enemy. If you like it, I, I and some people get stuck up on the or hung up on the fact that it's closer to the original manga. Which sure, that doesn't automatically make it better. I think yeah. so. Something can be a more accurate adaptation and still be worse because uh, when you're Changing to a different medium, you have to take advantage of that medium. I've said that. I'm repeating myself too often. So, what's, uh, what's your go-to anime TV show adaptation? Because you've given us Cowboy Bebop for your movie. I just kind of want to get an answer out of you. What TV show? For a TV like, if you were to get the Game of Thrones treatment to one of your favorite animes, what would it be? Well, I mean, I love the idea of a Mob Psycho 100 television show. I feel like that one would be really good. I have no show. idea what any of that means. What is that, and why would it work? Um... Okay, do you know One Punch Man? Yes. Do you like One Punch Man? I haven't watched it. Okay, well, first of all, you should give One Punch Man a shot because I know, a lot of people hear about One Punch Man and think, 
well, the character is broken, so why is that going to be – won't that get boring? No, because the show isn't really about Saitama, the One Punch Man. It's about the world he inhabits, um, besides the point. So the artist behind the original One Punch Man uh, webcomic is a guy by, uh, who just goes by One, and he, um, he's written a couple other things, and Mob Psycho 100 is one of them. And Mob Psycho 100 is a similar story. It's a very similar to One Punch Man. It's about a kid named Mob who is a psychic. Uh, like he's the most powerful psychic in the world essentially, but he doesn't want to be like mm-hmm. as between the two shows is that Saitama is a strong character with a strong personality. Whereas mob is a strong character with an exceptionally weak personality. Like mob is, and uh, he just wants to live a very normal life. Like he is jealous of his brother who doesn't have powers. <laughs> like, um, so the story, yeah. oh, go ahead. It sounds, well, I'm already kind of interested, and I feel like this would work right now, especially in the climate of the quote-unquote oversaturation of superheroes, which that argument can get the fuck out. But to kind of see, you know, someone that doesn't want the powers, that has the powers, and I'm assuming this universe has a bunch of people with powers? It has more people that have powers, certainly. There's plenty of people who don't have powers, but they introduce, you know, um, there's essentially like a, a big think kind of like a hydra conspiracy organization that is full of psychics who think they should run the world and mob oh, this actually, seems like it fit perfectly right now yeah mob doesn't actually give a shit about them at all but he gets pulled into their uh bullshit <laughs> so, so it sounds like if marvel actually addressed the netflix series here's one of the best things about Marvel psycho 100 though there's a character in it named Regan or reagan however you want to pronounce it i actually i've watched both the sub and the dub to anyone who's a fan i prefer the dub personally and if you think i'm wrong fine more power to you i was gonna ask um, if you wanted to step in that hornet's nest well the okay here's the thing i'm an english speaker right and there are certainly cases where the sub is just inherently superior like back when i was in naruto yeah i preferred the sub because i thought the dub was actually pretty pretty bad in general let me put it this way though if you were to rank a sub and a dub on a scale of one to ten each separately as long as the dub is not two or more ranks worse, I will pick that. So that means if the sub's a 10, as long as the dub is an 8 or a 9, I will still watch the dub instead because being in English means that I can latch easier onto the uh, the inflections and the, the nuances of, uh, of local performance that I just don't get when it's not in the same, when it's not in the same language. And there are small, admittedly very small number of examples where the dub is better. Something like Bacchano, for instance. So my point is, whatever you prefer, more power to you. But you shouldn't shit on people who like it one way or the other. Um, anyway, <laughs> point being. So, Ragon uh, in Mob Psych 100, he's a fake psychic who uh, trains Mob. Mob is so naive, he doesn't realize that Ragon is a fake. Like, Ragon is a, a grifter, essentially, who, who cons people, <laughs> very obviously. And at the beginning of the show, you're like, this guy's a piece of shit who's taking advantage of Young Mob. And by the end of the show, you're like, I love Ragon! This guy's amazing! I want more of him! <laughs> so you got a character like that that's just so charismatic and a plot line that's, hey, a fake psychic and a real psychic who doesn't know that the first guy's a fake psychic deal with psychic problems. So, I just no, that sounds like it would be an easy adaptation and 
would kind of fit the superhero climate right now. I mean, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I've seen, you know, tons of shows. Uh, if you had the budget behind it, um, as far as like Shonen goes, there's a few Shonen that, that work really well. Like One Piece, for instance, the reason why it's actually forgivable for being as long as it is, is when, you're, when your plotline is a crew of pirates explore new islands. Like, that's really the basic plot. I mean, sure, there's more going on. Luffy wants to be king of the pirates or whatever. But unlike things like, you know, Bleach and Naruto, which just took way too fucking long to die, One Piece gets away with being so long because it doesn't really feel like we're waiting for anything because every island is itself the adventure. So that, it, again, assuming you had the budget, that could be a great TV show that could go on for like fucking soap opera levels of time. <laughs> so I want to get your opinion real quick. What do you think of the theory I've seen going around that the one piece is actually friendship? Sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, Goldie Rogers seemed to be kind of a, um, what's the word? Uh, I'll go with trickster as a base word, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I've stopped... seen that one uh, going around and I've heard people say, I will flip a table if that is how that ends. No, I'm not. Con- I'm not concerned with it. Um, to be fair, though, I stopped reading and watching One Piece uh, roughly around the time of the Mermaid Island arc. That was right after the time skip, and I just got. I don't know. I just was kind of burnt out on it. I'll, I'll oh, go yeah. back sometime. That's my fourth rule. I forgot I've implemented with animes. I am not going to watch an anime that goes on forever because I don't have time for that shit. Yeah, the like I said, the only one for me that works to do that is one piece and i still was like all right i'm i'm done i wasn't done because i hated it or anything i was just like i i just want to do other things like i'll probably go back to it at some point once there's like a good build up and i'll catch up but i just don't i just don't like having shows left unfinished i want to you know watch this get through it and be able to move on to something else and if it's got 32 plus seasons and count it's like i'm not willing to invest myself in that right now that's that's too much now, I can't have a conversation, and we can't have an episode about anime without me talking about Berserk. Now, we talked, oh, yeah. about, Berserk. We talked about Berserk at length last week with, uh, with Stevie, so I'm going to try to cut through some of that. But while I certainly believe Berserk could be a movie, definitely, very easily, I mean, the fact, or a show even, because Game of Thrones basically is already super Berserk-like. The, the, one of the big things that is definitely lost in translation is that uh, Miura, the mangeka for Berserk, is a fucking master. Like, the the design that goes into his panels and the details are mind-boggling and are more fascinating to look at than most, like, live-action shots could be. So no matter how tangible, like, that artistic style is just going to get lost in the translation, just like it gets lost going to the anime. And I love the old anime, but... Yeah, compared to the manga, it just is simple. And I feel like even live action looks simple compared to Mira's artwork. So that's a base problem that I don't know how to deal with. Yeah, and I guess, you know, if you want to throw up Berserk, I'll throw up mine. And uh, Avatar, I don't consider it an anime, but that's why I look... Go on. (laughs) I don't think it's an anime. I don't agree with the concept of American anime, but that's its own thing. That's one, it's like, that would be cool to see adapted, but as you just said, the animation is going to be so hard to adapt because the animation on that show is so beautiful, especially when it comes to the elements and how they all look. And Shyamalan was not the right choice for that movie, but 
again, I don't think you could have adapted that one and had the elemental fighting look good and realistic because think, it looked so good in the anim, in the uh, animated version. I think you could. I just think they failed at it entirely. So, the, uh, we've come a long way CGI, so maybe we could. Yeah. Hold on, real quick, since and yeah, this is a, definitely a hornousness of a discussion, and I've already said we've already stated our our uh, our opinions. Um, but what is your reasoning for why something like Avatar isn't an anime? Because if I your guess... reasoning is just it doesn't come from Japan, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't work. <laughs> well, originally that was my idea was, you know, anime has to be animated in uh, somewhere east. It has to be done in Asia. But that one doesn't necessarily hold up because Avatar was then... animated in Korea. Yep. Plus, by that argument, a lot of SpongeBob suddenly becomes anime. So. And I guess it doesn't, in my opinion, have any of the distinctive markers, I would say, of an anime, which I know is kind of vague. But I mean, if you take all the various, you know, things that are considered anime and line them out, the animation, there are certain animation styles, the hard, sharp lines and elements like that. It's like, yeah, this right here, these are all clearly defined as anime. But you can put, you know... Avatar next to other American cartoons, and you're gonna go, yeah, one of these. Th- this looks more like this than it does like this. And I guess it's purely it's artistic style. Well, see, that's what I'm. That's what it I'm. It doesn't have that artistic school. I will call it a school of artistic design. And I, and I say it feels. definitely does, and that's that's why I say it definitely is because. So I define anime as an artistic movement, which yeah is super fucking vague, and I can't really define. Uh, because trying to define artistic movement while it's currently happening is damn near impossible, right? So Yeah, plus uh, I'm not an art student. My wife or my father could probably better describe what an art movement is, but I guess I'll try and help you. I guess an art movement is, it is a style of art that is coming into its own, that has its own set of designs, recognizable designs, I guess. So... Uh, let me put it like this. So if anime, if we accept, and if you don't accept it out there, uh, anyone listening that anime is an art movement, well, then ignore this part because I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit and argue. Go watch the Mother's Basement video. If you disagree with it after that, well, more power to you. Um, anyway, but if anime is an artistic movement that's been evolving since the 50s with Astro Boy, uh, then it's got all these varied kind of styles. There's a lot of internal things that look very different but are certainly anime and there are cross sections with what i'm going to call cartoons or other kinds of animation uh, a good example of this would be pokemon right especially the latest pokemon with uh, the sun and moon series which you look at that the super soft lines and pastel uh, color choices it looks like it has a lot more in common with uh, Western cartoons. So I would actually consider something like Pokemon to be a cross-section on the diagram or the Venn diagram of cartoon to anime. But I would yeah. also I'd also consider Avatar to sit in that, but in the opposite direction, that it is um, definitely uh, has a lot of the tropes of Western animation, like with how pretty much everything Sokka ever does, but the stylistic decision of like how the characters look, the narrative decisions about how to tell their story, especially in an animation form, are much more in keeping with anime as as a movement. 
So I would put it like as one of the first to fit in that Venn diagram. And the reason why I'm fine with the idea of the phrase Western anime or something like that is for the exact same reasons why I'm fine with the phrase Japanese rock. Like you could say that's a totally different genre, but it still is rock and roll, you know? Yeah, and that's kind of the cool thing about art is it is constantly generating subgenres. And you brought up a great point, which I can kind of weigh in on. I think rock is one of the rock and metal. I think are two of the most subcategory have the most subcategories of any genre. Sure, uh, are, saying, especially was, metal. Metal is still generating subgenres. Yeah, I was just saying an example that if you can accept that J rock is also rock and roll and not something completely different then that same kind of logical line is the line that I use to justify anime as artistic movement and Western anime as a subset of anime. Yeah, I think we're still kind of struggling with the fact that ideas can exist outside certain geopolitical uh, realms. Yeah, but again, that's all like super heavy philosophical stuff. And really, at the end of the day, language is only as useful uh, as it is at useful at transferring ideas. And so when I say Western anime, that's going to convey a very specific set of expectations that saying Western animation doesn't convey. So when I say Voltron on Netflix is a Western anime, that's going to put those expectations in your head, whereas saying Western animation or just animation is not going to put in your head. So that's so it's useful as a word in that term. Fair enough. Anyway, uh, so we spent most of this episode talking, uh, ragging on the Full Alquist movie, which is bad, and uh, you shouldn't shouldn't give your time to it. (laughs) We spent a lot of time talking about, like, what anime we would think could actually work. And for the record, I've got, you know, I've got tons more, right? Like, I've got, for instance, just behind me on my wall, there's a Helsing Ultimate scroll, and that could work very well as either a movie or a, uh, a show. It already is a show. It's called Helsing Abridged on, by Team Four Star on YouTube. <laughs> we'll that is my, how I will consume my anime. You give me some voice actors and some comedians, I will watch any anime. I, I do love Helsing Bridge, but I, I also love the original Helsing Ultimate too. So I'm just saying, like that's I got tons of you know possible examples. I mean, my favorite anime of all time, Yu Hakusho. Well, Yu Hakusho and Fooly Cooly. It's kind of a tie for different reasons, but both of those are take so much advantage of their medium that I don't necessarily want to see either attempted, but I don't think that they're impossible to do. So if if it came out tomorrow that some studio wanted to make a Fooly Cooly movie. Right, I'd be like, well, you better cast the right fucking psycho to play Haru Haru Haru. <laughs> uh, I, I love I, their vowels. Haru Haru Haru. Yeah, so that's that's my my piece on the whole thing. That I, I think that's why it's been unsuccessful up till now, and I think that it's not impossible that we should keep making the attempt because that tangibility that live action provides is worth attempting for. I think yeah. when you've got a really good story. And a lot of times, you know, anime are very... The reason why you have so many anime that are just people standing around talking is because they're largely narrative-driven stories. Even shonen that are, like, fight-heavy, as you established with your rules, a lot of them are a lot of just dialogue, people talking. 
And in my opinion, the best shonens are the ones that have great action tied into emotional stakes and good character work. Things like My Hero Academia, which is really good at doing. No, I agree. And I think much like we established last week with the inevitability of microtransactions in video games, anime adaptions are going to become a thing because Hollywood wants that Asian market. And anime is a part of that cultural market. So they will keep attempting to adapt it. So whether we want it or not, we're going to keep getting them. Our only hope is that, much like microtransactions, they're good. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think it's. Uh, I think we've hit kind of a wall. So why don't we move on to our? I mean, there's definitely more we could talk about. We'll save it for another day, though. So I move on to our suggestions of the week. Ulrich, what do you have for us? Um. Well, uh, my father-in-law recently got uh, my wife and I a subscription to Amazon Prime, and we've been. Dinking around on the videos, not a lot on there, but we did discover we could rent uh, Shape of Water. And if I haven't established this already, I am a Del Toro fanboy. He is one of my top five favorite directors of all time, hands down. And I was looking forward to this movie. And while it's got its flaws, this is possibly the most beautiful movie I have seen in a long time. And when I say beautiful, I'm talking just the shot shot setup (laughs) is just... Amazing look at the color use, everything about this movie. It is a piece of art, and it totally deserves its Academy Award nomination. And it is so much more than the fish sex movie. I was going to say, everything, I I haven't seen it yet, but every critic who I trust has told me that you'd be wrong to write it off as just the the fish fucking movie. (laughs) And I'm afraid that's what it's going to get stuck with, and that's part of it. But again, there is so much going on subtextually. But even that aside... It is a piece of art. I mean, oh, I want more work from Del Toro. I want to support him. Go rent this movie, buy his movie, see this movie, get it on Blu-ray. The other one is a callback to the very foundations of our friendship. I think we bonded over two things in particular. One was uh, movies and turning hour and a half comedies into three-hour discussions. Hold on. Well, before you go forward, really the thing that bonded us to share uh, a quick story was – uh, literally, me and Ulrich originally met because um, we were both uh, had dates to the same dance, and they were those dates were friends with each other. So that's how we met because we were taking our dates to this dance, and then we proceeded to realize that both of us liked putting on terrible Irish accents, and we proceeded to just insult the hell out of each other in Irish accents for most of the night, pissing off our dates. <laughs> it didn't like we were paying more attention to each other than we were them. Ironically, importance of things to come. Yeah, but anyway, so I'm just saying, if you're talking about what bonded us, you can't ignore the uh, insulting each other in terrible accents because that's that what is made us true. want to be friends in the first place. So, so let's rephrase that. The bond of our brotherhood then is built on twofold: one part movie discussion, one part the summer I lived with you and we played video games all summer, namely Halo and one of the greatest games for the PlayStation Three of all time, Resistance: The Fall of Man. Yep. Have we not talked about that already? I thought we We did. We have not talked about this one. Okay, so uh, for the record, I do not like first-person shooters in general. I understand that it's it's just an an aesthetic that generally doesn't work because most of them are competition games, and I'm not into competition as an aesthetic. So I only played Halo because all my other friends did, so I was playing it as a social game, not a competition game. Uh, Resistance, which Ulrich here had... um, and he had me play it, and we played it together, and it is – we played the campaign. I didn't yep. play any 
multiplayer bullshit. So we just played co-op campaign. And while in a lot of ways the campaign is pretty basic as far as like game stories go, it's it's pretty engrossing. And if anything, the atmosphere that the game puts forward most of its levels is really good. Like it's just a it's a well built world. Uh, for the uninitiated, it's World War. Is it one or two? It's post World War Two. Okay, post World War Two. Um, Russia went dark because essentially a bunch of aliens. Not gonna go into the explanation. Popped out of the ground. We get into it later, and it's not as good as the mystery. Yeah, yeah. But so a bunch of aliens basically took over Russia and are now spreading across uh, the continent. And you're an American soldier whose name isn't really important because he doesn't have that much of a personality. <laughs> you drop in and try to fight back the aliens. And uh, you know, as far as first-person shooters go, it controls well. It's got something like twenty unique guns. And when yeah, I say that's unique, the I mean, biggest thing is the guns were different. And I think. I wish more games did this, but when you beat the campaign, you can go back and play, and it unlocks a whole new set of weapons for your second playthrough of the campaign. Now, when I say 20, that may not sound like a lot to people who are like, you know, Borderlands players, but when I say unique, I mean each gun is a completely different, like, mechanism for how it functions. Like, one of my favorite guns is essentially an alien minigun, but the alternate fire is it takes your entire clip fires it out, and it turns into a stationary turret that just shoots the entire clip at the nearest creature. So, so shit and like the that. worst one is the mine launcher. You remember that one? That stupid bubble gun? Vaguely. Okay, I'll tell you, or maybe I'll you tell you something. remember. We had the monster break through the barricade, and that's all we had left to fight with is this giant monster is tearing through us. I'm like, we have to get closer. I hate this gun. Why is this in the game? <laughs> it sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, I must have blocked it out. One of my favorite guns in that game is called the Bullseye. It's an alien. Bullseye was a great basic gun. Yeah, it's an alien submachine gun that has the ability to tag targets so that no matter where you fire, the bullets go towards the tag. So Yeah, and this game also created one I think one of the longest standing arguments we had was whether your character was imaginary or the narrator was racist. Oh, you're you're talking because if you're playing multiplayer, the the because the main character is generic uh white male protagonist right that's in every first person shooter and if you play co-op then the other guy is uh, an african-american and but he's never in any of the cutscenes. scenes or so, by name or anything yeah so that was the argument is 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 the companion uh, imaginary or is the game just racist <laughs> <laughs> that was our long we were determined to figure that one out too <laughs> no, I'm I'm waiting for a remaster of this game because I agree, think this is hands down one of the best games for the PlayStation 3, and is definitely playing this game alongside Halo, uh, Halo One and Two is the cornerstone of our brotherhood. I think that most people who are gamers now might find it um, quaint, really, compared to what like Modern Fair is, but. Uh, as someone who isn't a first-person shooter fan, I do recommend it. I think Resistance, especially as a co-op experience on the couch with a friend, is a is a pretty fun, a good time. It's a good time. So what are your suggestions? Well, I was going to suggest Mob Psycho 100, but I already talked about it, so I'll just skip over that. Um, now, when I watched Full Metal Alchemist movie yesterday, I had to uh, cleanse my palate. So I asked uh, Wretched if there was something that he thought we should watch. So... I popped up my uh, Funimation um, account or whatever, and I started watching a show he's been telling me about for a while called Overlord. Now, Overlord is not great, but it's definitely 
good, like it's enjoyable. Um, it's got, so the the plot line, and admittedly, when I first heard this plot line, I was like, "Ugh, this sounds no," um, because I hate Sora Online. But the plot line is that there's you know in the future the world is shit. There's an MMO called uh, Yggdrasil, and there's this guy who is um, a max level player in this game, and he's part of this guild. And then most of the guild people left. He's like the only one still around, and the servers are going to shut down. And so then uh, he's you know sitting in there reminiscing with the days. The server shuts down, and he wakes up, and he's in his character avatar. Except unlike things like Sora Online, his guild was based around character characters who were not human. So his avatar is a lich. He's a fucking skeleton lord. Oh boy. So, uh, so now he's stuck in the body of his his avatar. All the NPCs that his friends all cre- created and programmed for the guild all now are alive. Like they're they have personalities, and he's been transported to a world that is not the game. Like his guild hall or tomb. It's called like the I can't remember the name. Uh, we we binged the whole first season in one day. Um, but his entire like guild hall base essentially has been transported to this new world. And so the story is about him figuring out like where he is, how to his powers work. Cause since he was a max level character in the game, he become, he's like a God in this world. Like nothing can touch him essentially. Uh, and so the show's not really concerned with like how he got there or why he went from being in a game to reality. Like the show doesn't care. The show's just like, Take this as your premise so that we can have essentially video game characters in a real world. And now let's move on. So the enjoyment of it is a lot of like, it's just that kind of thing. You've got a, a character who's essentially an elder lich going around like doing quests for people. And he's not really a good guy because he doesn't give a shit about people. But at the same time, he's not a bad guy either. So he'll like help save a kid who's been kidnapped and some shit. And all the side characters are like very fleshed out, flavorful, very interesting. Because the main character is kind of boring, but all the side characters are really interesting. So it's not something I recommend to you, Auric, at all. Uh, it's not really anime trope heavy. Like it doesn't do those animation things. So maybe you might like it, but I don't really think it's for you personally. Um, yeah, I'm not an anime guy. I just it's not my thing. Yeah, that's fine. That's why I'm saying like I I like Overlord. I don't think it's great. I think it's certainly enjoyable. It's better than other related shows like uh, Grimgar, which I found to be kind of insufferable, which is a similar uh, plot. And of course, things like Sword Online, which is just bad. Uh, but if you want to watch... I, I, I once heard someone tell me that the reason why they like Sword Online is because they wanted that game. Like, they wanted that game to be reality, right? Yeah. Which, you know what? Fine. If that's that's what does it for you? More power to you. But if you have a feeling like that and want a show that is at least competent, Overlord. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so <sighs> that's that's my suggestion of the week. I would, um, yeah, you, you can. It's on the uh, Funimation. Uh, I use a PlayStation Four, and I have the like Funimation app thing. So if you have that, it's it's there. Uh, I watched the dub version, which I thought was good. I haven't actually watched the sub version. My friend Retchy, who got me to watch it, he watched the sub version. He said that. He thinks the sub's better, personally. I don't have a fair reference, so maybe give both a shot. See what you like. Anyway, uh, so we got to the end of the podcast here. I don't think we have anything else, so thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a comment down below if there's something you'd like to hear in the future. Uh, we're now on Twitter and Patreon, and links will be in the, the thingamabob below. Uh, as always, this has been Axel Wright. And it's your brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. 
Be sure to tune in next time and stay honorable.